Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website, ericlevy.com, under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy and I am pleased to bring to you Chapter 18, Perkudchet of the Book of Job. Vayan Bildad HaShuchi Vayomar. Once again, it's Bildad's turn to respond and once again the ante has been upped. The emotional temperature is rising. In chapter 8, in Bildad's first go-around, he said, Ad'an t'malel eila, until when will you speak so? And, Imatat t'shacher el-el, if you pray to God, and, Imzach v'yashar ata, if you are pure and upright, then, v'acharitcha yiskem, oh, in the end, God will raise you up very high. Here, Bildad begins the same way, not Ad'an, but Ad'ana, which is pretty much the same thing, but here there are no assurances of ultimate redemption, and there's no sense that, that, that Eov is anything but a sinner. When will it be until you bring these words to an end? Think, which means think about what you're saying, or think about what we're saying, and then we can talk. Now, notice that Bildad is speaking to Eov in the plural, to Simun and Tavinu, and he will continue to do so in, these, in the next verse. Some commentators say that, uh, that there's another character uh, sitting around at this time who has not been introduced yet. We'll meet him in a few chapters, named Elihu. However, um, Elihu hasn't been introduced, so it's hard to say that they would include him in the conversation. Perhaps since Eov said in the previous chapter that he was claiming to have God on his side... So maybe Bildad is, uh, who clearly does not believe that that's true, is speaking mockingly to him in plural as if to say that Eov has God as his company when in fact he does not. Why have you made us out to be animals that is uh, brainless? Why are we idiots in your eyes? Rashi points out nicely that the word nitminu can't come from the word taman, litmon, to hide. Otherwise, the nun would have been doubled. It would have had a dagesh chazak in it. Uh, also note there's a manuscript in, uh, the, the, there's a manuscript error in the Rashi. In Rashi, all the Rashis that we have in front of us, it reads, uh, it should read timumim, with two mems and not timunim with a mem and a nun. Otherwise, Rashi is not making his point. The form that we have in front of us is therefore tet memhe, or perhaps tet mem mem, and it's similar to the doubled form tum tum or metumtam, which means a person who is mentally challenged, and it's used in modern Hebrew that way as well. Toref nafsho viapo like one who tears his life apart with his anger, for your sake should the world be abandoned? For your sake should mountains be removed from their place? So Bildad returns to the idea that Eov's anger is making him seal his own doom, which is similar to what Eliphaz said in chapter 5, when he said, that anger will surely kill the foolish. But here, it is not only Eov's life that is at stake, according to Bildad, but it's the entire, it's the existence of the entire world. I think that Bildad may be saying that God is doing the right thing by you in punishing you for what must have been your sins. And that's called Midatadin. God pays back for things that are done. He works within a legal system which is consistent. Uh, so by asking God to change these rules, to be inconsistent, you might as well ask him to alter the very rules of creation, to alter the laws of physics, which would then result 
uh, in the reversion of the world into the primordial chaos. So he's saying, you want God to treat you in a way that's not just, then the whole world will fall apart. What he's really saying is that sinners deserve to be punished based on the letter of the law. And if there's a person who is punished, there's no question that he must have sinned. Having said that, Bildad will now spend the rest of his speech, the rest of this chapter, talking about the fate of sinners, the fate of the wicked. And there is no doubt that Bildad feels that Eov is getting exactly what he deserves. Now the light of the wicked, or also the light of the wicked will sputter, will be extinguished. The embers' fire will not shine. The word gam here probably means... Uh, that Bildad is referring to, but rejecting Eov's claim in the previous chapter, that his friends are selling him darkness in the guise of light, to use those very terms, or and Choshech. So Bildad is saying, the lack of light is not because we're selling you something that's not right, it's because the buyer sees only darkness, not that the seller doesn't have light to sell. Also note the word da'ach, to sputter, to be distinguished, was also used by Eov in the last chapter, but he used it as za'ach, with a zayin. The dalet and the zayin are often interchangeable in Aramaic and in Hebrew. Or chashach be'oholo v'nero alav yid'ach. The light goes dark in his tent, and his candle sputters for him, or extinguishes for him, or maybe because of him, meaning it grows dark, uh, that is, even after it, grew, it, it went naturally dark, he tried to create his own light, but failed to do so. And I'm going to point out, I'm going to get into it a little bit more, note the repetition of words here, the repetition of or, the repetition of the word da'ach. There's a lot of doubling of words here by Bildad. Now Bildad moves on to a new metaphor, not that of light and darkness, of a man trying to light up his world and failing, but that of someone who is like a trapped quarry. His mighty steps grow shorter, and his plans, his plots, toss him astray. Because his legs have become entangled in a trap, and he repeatedly walks over a pitfall. There are a few items to note in this verse here. First, the doubling of the word shalach, and in the previous verse, uh, which means to be thrown or flung, although in the previous verse it meant that he was being led astray, and here it means that he is being led into a trap. Uh, in the previous metaphor I mentioned, the word or was doubled, and the word da'ach was doubled, and we'll continue to see this type of word repetition in this chapter. I don't know uh, why Bildad is doing that, but that seems to be his style for this chapter. Also of note is the word yitalach, which is the hitpael form. Now hitpael are usually reflexive, like which means it reflects back on the subject itself. So histaper means to cut one's own hair. Uh, uh, that's usually what it means, that the, the object which is missing is really the subject himself. It's reflexive. But hitpael could also indicate iteration or permanence. Uh, so therefore, yitalach means to walk back and forth or over and over again, and that's essentially what it's trying, what, what the point is here. Uh, finally, a savacha is probably a woven camouflage that covered a pit that a quarry would step on and then f- not notice the pit, because it looks like grass or vegetation, and then he would fall through it. Yochez be'akev pach yachazek alav tzamim. The snare grabs at the ankle, the trap holds strong to him. The word tzamim probably is some kind of woven chain trap, since a similar word, uh, tzamatech, is used in the Song of Songs, meaning the hair or perhaps a veil which is braided into links and hangs down the side 
of the woman's face. Tamun ba'aretz chavlo u'malkudito alei nativ. His lariat is hidden in the ground, a chevel, some kind of cord which traps somebody when they step on it, and his snare is on the path. I'm sorry, I've run out of good synonyms for for traps and snares, but uh, you get the sense. What's different here, though, in these traps and these snares is that the possessive pronoun. Um, uh, him, Chavlo, his trap, Malkudito, his snare, as if Eov, as what Bildad is saying, it's, is that Eov is setting traps for himself. That is, the traps that he's falling into are nothing but the product of his own creation, of his own, the creation of his own sins. In this next section, that from verse 11 to 15, uh, he changes metaphors again, and here the metaphor is speaking of the company that he must abandon or will abandon him, and the new company that will replace him, place for him, uh, that will be his new company because of his sins. Saviv biatuhu valahot demons surround and terrify him and they set his legs to fleeing he is offspring becomes famished disaster is ready for his rib is a rib which means his wife that is to say who also suffers from the demons that he has created. Well, his wife does and his kids do as well. Notice the word oh no here is used uh, in addition to its use in verse 7. Although there it meant strength and here it means offspring, although the two ideas are related. Also note the the use of the word selah, which is a reference to to the Genesis story of creation where uh, where the woman was created out of the man's rib in chapter 2. And there will be other references to Genesis in this chapter as well, which I will point out. It is possible that the word Selah means limp, but I think the first translation fits better. Ibn Ezra, interestingly, says the word Selah comes from the side of something, like Selah HaMishkan, which is the side of the tabernacle. And here, too, I think the sense is his sidekick, that is, the woman who sleeps at his side. And this is the thinking of Rav Yosef Kara, who was one of the students of uh, Rashi, not to be confused with Rav Yosef Karo, who was the author of the Shulchan Aruch. Yochal badei oro, yochal badav bechor mavit. It will eat the extrusions of his flesh. His extrusions are eaten by death's firstborn. Now, I use the word extrusion because I think the word bad, which means like a pole or something that sticks out, is a sexual reference and it's connected to the previous verse, which was talking about the destruction of his family. So I think the sense here is that he will be emasculated. Uh, his sins will cause his emasculation. Uh, other translations go with tendons or other skin parts, but I think that my translation is, is, is contextual and it really fits well. The line um, is very dramatic, the line that we just read, because we find out that his flesh is going to be eaten in the first half of the line, but we don't know by whom. And then it repeats that his fleshy parts will be eaten by none other than death's firstborn. Uh, and as you've noticed, um, with the word balahot and now bechor mavet, we'll see some others, that death and destruction is being personified here, that that Bildad is really using very mythical and mystical terminology to convey to Eov uh, what his future will be. By his trust, meaning the one he trusts in, which most commentators again understand to be his wife, he will be removed from his tent, or actually I think it means his family here, because ahal, Remember, Ahal means uh, uh, family in Arabic. Uh, and she will march him down to the king of the demons. 
Again, notice the doubling of the words from the previous verse. Notice the word Balahot, which appears twice, although there it was all of the demons, and here we are referring to their king. Um, and uh, I think what Bildad may also be referencing here is the story in chapter 2, where Eov's wife told Eov after he was being afflicted so that she should ju- that he should just curse God and then take death as his punishment for cursing God. Continuing on, Tishkon Abbe'aholo Mibli'lo Yizore al Naveyu Gofrit. She, I think that means his wife, will dwell in his tent without him. Then brimstone, sulfur, will rain down on his home. Once again, we have a, a doubling word, in this case, ohel. And once again, we have a reference to Genesis, in this case, the raining down of brimstone of gofrit, which is, of course, Allah, Sidom, and Amorah, Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 16 now, we have a new metaphor, the wicked as a tree, which we've seen before. Uh, most recently, we've seen it in Eliphaz's previous speech. Although here it's connected to the issue of family loss that we just read. Very nice alliteration. His roots will dry up beneath him and above him his branches or his greenery will wither, which means you know, his whole family above him and below him all disappears. And to uh, conclude the chapter, Bildad, Bildad essentially abandons his metaphor for the simple literal uh, um, uh, description of how the wicked uh, consum- um, consummates, uh, just the literal consummation of the wicked. Zichro avad mini aretz velo shamelo al There will be no memory of him in the land. He will have no reputation in the outside world. Yeh defu me'or el choshech umi tevel duhu. They will drive him, that is his sins will drive him from light into darkness. And notice that we opened up with light and darkness and we're concluding with light and darkness. They will make him wander away or be exiled out of Tevel, civilization. Lo ninlo, velo nechet be'amo, ve'en sarid bimgurav. He has neither offspring nor progeny and there will be no survivor in the place he lives or in his in his family home. Nin in modern Hebrew means great grandson and Nechet is grandson, but here I think the sense is simply not a single living progeny to carry on his name. Al Yomo Nashamu Acharonim Vikadmonim Achazu Sa'ar. I think the Al here means because of his day or because of his life or because of what his fate was. The latter ones, the Acharonim, will be desolated and the early ones will grab or perhaps be grabbed by the tempest. This seems to be a continuation of the previous verse that the sins and tempests that he, that Eov creates will destroy everything around him and all hope of any kind of family legacy or any kind of legacy whatsoever. Finally, in the, I think Bildad whiplashes us back to the present and as his companions sit around the ruin that is Eov and the ruin of everything Eov had, Bildad points and says, Ach ela mishkenot aval v'zemikom lo yada el. Just so, all of this, all of these things are the dwelling places of sin. And this is the place God does not know, which would mean he doesn't sustain it, he doesn't keep it, he essentially eradicates it. Or maybe what... Bildad is saying a bit more harshly is this is the place where God is not known.